This is one of my favorite times of the year because uh, I love sports and all things sports are happening right now. Uh, and I love the fact that we're coming into World Series time. But there's, there's an, another World Series that you may not have been aware of. Uh, it was actually this one right here. This is called Little League World Series. And uh, because I grew up playing Little League and because my boys grew up playing Little League, I'm fascinated by it. And so back in August, they had the, the, the Little League World Series and there was a team from Hawaii, which I have a special place in my heart for Hawaii uh, for a lot of different reasons. I have a lot of good friends over there and spent some time in the islands, lived in the islands for a really short time. So I love Hawaii. So this team from, from Hawaii uh, won, won the World Series against South Korea. They beat them 3-0 and had a chance to watch a little bit of that. And so it was just fun to watch it with my boys was, was way cool. But there was something special about this team. Besides the fact that they definitely had the alo- what I would call the, the aloha spirit, I want you to notice what it says on the back of their jersey. This was kind of the theme for the year for, for them, which is, we uh, is greater than me. We is greater than me. I, I, want you, I want you to think about that for a moment. And we, we talk about that a lot in Ubrate. We talk about that all, all the time. Um, so that being a Christ follower, especially as a Christ follower, it means that I turn my focus from me to we, and, and, and there's like this exponential power because Christ is a part of it, right? It's, it, it's a triad. It's not just me and you, so we become we, but then you enter Christ into it, and it gives you that extra power. It's, it's kind of like uh, you have two people, let's just say, and they can each lift 150 pounds. And so together, how much can they lift? 300, right? No. They can lift about 350 pounds, maybe even 400 pounds, because there's exponential power in that. And, and, and that's a picture of what Christ wants to do in our relationships. He wants it to always be about the we. And, and, and this is kind of difficult for us sometimes because, you know, um, everything about our culture sort of points it back towards us and makes it about the me and the individual and does it work for me and can I leverage it towards, towards me. So the Apostle Paul uh, says a lot about one another. I don't know, when you're reading through the New Testament in particular, 40 different times Paul uses the one another language, the one another language. So I, I thought I'd, I'd point out a few of these just to kind of get you in the spirit of the one another, okay? So for instance, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, serve one another humbly in love. Ephesians 4, 2. And by the way, these are all written by Paul, all these letters. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, that's a tough one, bearing with what? One another in, in, in love. Um, Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. But it, it's another one of those one another's. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, encourage one another. I think that's one of the best ones. Encourage one another. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 says, the love of all of you have for one another is increasing. One another, one another. So if you have your Bibles, we've been in this quite a long journey now through the book of Ephesians. I hope you guys are going to know the book of Ephesians like inside and out when we get done with it. But today we're in the fifth chapter, and we're going to look at uh, a few verses here, verses 18 through 15. And of course, Paul <clears throat> wrote this letter to the uh, churches in Ephesus. So beginning with verse 18. So we started, we kind of, we actually had this verse last week. I'll say this again. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. You know, as we 
talked about this last week a little bit. I know that a lot of you switched over to beer. I know that. <laughs> Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with uh, psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I know that probably on the way to church, some of you were you know, uh, talking to the person in the car and said, you know, I hope that Pastor Steve talks about submission because it's one of my favorite subjects. Right? Right? I mean, I don't know how that hits you when you hear the word submission, but I know that for probably a lot of us, we have some kind of reaction to it. There's, some, there's something inside of us that says submit. Isn't that like for like dog school or something? But really, submits. So one of the things that, that I want to do this morning is help us to have a, a biblical understanding of what submission looks like. Not cultural submission, maybe not submission in the way that you've known it, how it played out in your family or in your marriage, but I want you to know what biblical submission looked like because when we get done talking about it, you're going to see that submission is actually, in the eyes of God, it's a beautiful thing. It's just been horribly abused and hasn't, been worked, hasn't worked so well, oftentimes in churches, inside of you know, marriages. So what does submitting to another do for my relationships, okay? Submit to one another is what he says. And actually, the, the actual word, the Greek word submit means to arrange your life under. Under what? Under the word of God. Under the principles of God. Under the ways of God. So there's this, there's this submission principle that carries throughout our, our life. And, and so let's, let's talk about this a little bit. First of all, let's talk about what submission is not. Because this may be how some of you have experienced it, how you think about it. So, for instance, submission is not checking my brain at the door. It's like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever you say. That, that is not submission. That's not healthy submission. Uh, it is not, I give and you take. That is not a picture of submission. Uh, I mean, it can be, but that's, if it is, it's really unhealthy submission. It's not biblical submission. Ha- having my way all the time is, is not submission. It's not one person lording over the other person and saying, you do it my way, you submit. Uh, living or acting in fear. What does the Bible say about that? The Bible says that perfect love drives out fear, casts out fear. So if it's submission and there's fear-based, it's unhealthy submission. It's abusive submission. And then finally, being controlled by another person. This is not what it is. That is not biblical. It's submission. It's horrible submission. It's the wrong, wrong kind of submission. So what is it? Let's talk about what it is. It's an attitude of the heart especially inside of, of our relationships, whether it's in a marriage relationship or... And by the way, next week, I'm going to take it upon myself. And you guys pray for me all week, okay? I, I just, just raise your hand and say you're going to pray for me, okay? Okay, thank you. I need your prayers. Because next week, next week, I'm going to talk about biblical submission in marriage. Yeah, right. Somebody told me I should wear a dress or something for this thing. I don't know. Just... <laughs> I guess that wouldn't fly too well. Anyway, submission is... An attitude of the heart. It's, it's a choice to seek out your well-being. Inside of a relationship, it looks like this. I want what's best for you. I'm not going to make... Again, it's, it's about the we, right? I want what's best for you. Uh, it's an opportunity for equal advantage. As a matter of fact, it's, it's a win-win. Uh, you know, I, how many of you would say you're kind of competitive people? Okay, like, like I'm ridiculously competitive. 
and I've kind of calmed it down through the years. But in my competitiveness when I was younger, it was kind of an unhealthy competitiveness because not only did I want to win, but I wanted you to lose. It's just, just, just the way I was, you know. Uh, and, but today, much, many years later, and God's done a lot of work in my life, I realize I want to win, but I want you to win too. And that's part, inside of a relationship, that's a beautiful thing that we should all be able to win. And then a respect for boundaries. You say, well, what, what are boundaries? I have to make reference to a book called Boundaries. It's one of the best books I've ever read just to help with relationships. But there, it's really, it's guardrails for safe relationships. It, it, it's a way of saying, look, it, um, if, if we respect each other's boundaries, then here's how we can love each other and, and get along and have fun and respect each other, and we can make the relationship work. So if you have boundaries, it might go something like this. Maybe somebody violates a boundary, and you say, so you can't date my daughter for a month. You know, that would be a boundary. You know, you violated something. Um, here's, here's another boundary. I'm sorry, but you, you know, you can't see this person. You know, sometimes when it gets really tense, um, you know, I, you're not going to get money for a while because you, you know, you're horrible with money. That's a boundary. There's a lot of different ways that boundaries, and we just, it's those guardrails that say, if the relationship is going to work, then, then, then we have these, these boundaries that, that we set. And it works inside of these relationships with submission. So submission does not prove superiority, but recognizes God as the ultimate authority. And sometimes I think when we think about submission, we think about it like who's on top, right? Or who's strong, who's powerful, and, and, and so, we, like, so I'm going to submit to that person. But that's not always what it's about. Let me give you a story that might help you with this. Uh, and, and by the way, this story is out of the Old Testament, and this is why you ought to read the Old Testament, because it's full of the most amazing stories. So in uh, chapter 24 of um, 1 Samuel, David is up with his mighty men, and they're, uh, you find them in a cave, and they're hiding from King Saul. Now, King Saul was the first king of Israel, and although he started off okay, he went really bad. I mean, really bad. To the point that he began to, when he heard that, that David was going to succeed him, that David would, had actually been anointed to be the, the next king of Israel, he got insanely jealous of David, who by then was actually his son-in-law, and he began to chase him down. He was trying to kill David. And so on this particular occasion, Saul gets off of his horse, and this is sometimes the Bible can be humorous, he gets off of his horse and he goes inside the same cave that David and his mighty men are, and they're way back deep in the cave, and when he, he says he goes in there to relieve himself. So the Bible actually records that people actually do go to the bathroom. And, and, and when he goes in there, I guess the, the, here's the big question that theologians have debated for years. Did he go number one or number two? <laughs> Just do. As a man, as a man, I know that it was number two because, you know, the earth is our urinal. So anyway, he would have done it out there. But anyway, he's inside the cave. He's inside the cave. And uh, David and his men see him. Now, David's men, they, they've been hunted down for a long time. These guys are tired. They've left their families. They're with David. They believe in David. They believe that David's going to be the next king of Israel. And the moment comes when it's, it's right there. His men are saying to him, they're saying, David, God must have brought him in here. All you have to do is kill him, and you're going to be the king. And for a moment, David is right there with him. He's like, yeah. He comes up behind Saul, who's apparently squatting, and he takes and he, he rips a little bit of his, he cuts a little bit of his robe off. And then he, he goes, he retreats a little bit back into the cave, and while he's back there, he has second thoughts about it because his men are going, kill him. The stars are of a line. God has brought him to you. Kill him. 
And David steps back and he says, no. In fact, it actually says he was ridden with guilt. He goes, no, we're not, we're not going to do it that way. And, and, and there's a principle that is established by what David does that God will bless and honor him because of it. And he says this, he goes, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Now, if you read about how Saul is behaving, you realize he doesn't sound like he's very anointed. But it, it's really about who Saul is. It, it's about his position in life, his title. He actually is the king. And, and David has said, even though um, he's not a good king and you know, he's trying to kill me and he's, he's, he's really behaving terribly, I'm going to honor the position of authority that he is in and because he did that, I believe that's why God so blessed David. Because he could have took him out right there. That's, back in the day, that's what kings did. How am I going to become the next king? Well, I'll kill the king who's there. The principle is like this. Who are you working for? What do you think of them? Do you disrespect them? Do you think they're incompetent? Do you think you ought to be there instead of them? Maybe. Been there. I know what that feels like. But the principle is that I will respect that. And I will choose, and here's that word, I will choose to submit to, to the authority of that person. I mean, that actually runs through our households, you know, that we expect our children to submit to our authority, you know, up to a certain point in, in, in their life. So it's not, it's not about the powerful. It's, it's not about who's on top. Submission is not about power, but it's, it's about posture. For instance... I was talking to Amy, our church, uh, church therapist, the other day, and she's spoken here many times. And Amy was saying, so I do a lot of marriage counseling. And she says, typically what I hear in, in between husband and wife is one person saying, they're wrong, and I can prove that they're wrong, and I'm here to show you that they're wrong. I just want them to know that I'm wrong, or that they're wrong. And Amy always says, whoa, whoa, whoa. She goes, it's not about that. It's actually not about who's wrong. It doesn't even matter who's wrong, who's right. What matters is the two people will come back together. Like if the relationship is going to continue, somebody has to say, even if they're right, for the sake of the relationship, I will submit and say, let's just go forward. Because you can be as right as can be and destroy a relationship based on your rightness. I can prove it. Submission says, for the sake of the relationship, I'm going to acquiesce to this situation and, 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 and just make, help the relationship to go forward. There's a, there, there's a real funny scene from uh, Modern Family that uh, is kind of about this a little bit, so um, check this out if you would. You ready to do this? So ready. Jumping off this cliff represents jumping into our future as adventurers. Okay. Count of three. One, two, three! What happened? I'm so sorry. I bailed at the last second, uh -huh. but I'm ready now. I promise. All right. Ready? One, two, three. Come on! <laughs> oh, hey, there you are. Uh huh? Um, I feel like you uh -huh. jumped on two. Oh, honey, jumping. It's fun. It's really fun, but the point was to do it with you. So if that's going to be a problem, no, just... No, I, I definitely want to do it. It's just that I'm having a hard time getting my legs to cooperate. Okay. You're going to have to push me. Are you sure? Yes. Just one hard push, and I'm good. Okay. Here we go! 
Who's going to go first? Are we going to do it together? Out of reverence for Christ. It says in Ephesians 5, 21, submission out of reverence for Christ. So let me tell you who struggle with submission a little bit. And it's going to surprise you when I tell you. The one who wrote these very words, the Apostle Paul. Um, one time, you can find this in Acts chapter 24, excuse me, Acts chapter 15. One time, uh, he's traveling with uh, Barnabas, who's kind of his sidekick and, and uh, his partner in ministry, and it is going well. I mean, everywhere they go, they're establishing new churches, uh, people are coming to Christ, miracles are happening. It's, it's just it's an amazing ministry that they have together. They're like the dynamic duo. And then this happens. One day, they're getting ready, so they, they have their first missionary trip, and they're getting ready for their second missionary trip, and they're going to go through Europe and parts of Asia. And as they're planning this out, um, at some point, I guess Barnabas says, hey, we're going we're gonna to bring my, uh, my cousin, John Mark, again. And Barnabas, or excuse me, Paul says, no, we're not. And Barnabas, no, 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 we're, we're, we're going to take him. And, and Paul says emphatically, no, we are not. We are not bringing him with us. And, and Barnabas says, well, why? And he says, don't you remember? Like he bailed on us on the last trip when we, we needed him, and he, he bailed out. So we, we're, we are not bringing John Mark. And this argument, this discussion turns into an argument, and then it kind of goes next level, and it, it gets so heated. And sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you kind of have to read between the lines. It gets so heated that it breaks up their partnership and basically breaks up their friendship. Because somebody's not willing to compromise. Now, you might think, well, well maybe uh, Paul had good reason for saying this. And, and maybe he did, but if you know anything about the, the ministry of Paul, there's a whole lot of beatings and floggings and near drownings and everything that went on. So you can understand, John Mark is really young. And so, yeah, maybe he does go home after you know, the third beating or whatever and say, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not quite ready for this. Barnabas sees the potential in, in, in his cousin, but years later, so here's, here's where years later that Paul can come back around and say, I should have submitted. I, in that moment, I should have at least come around and had longer discussions. We should have talked about this. Because you'll, you'll find this as he writes to Timothy, his young understudy. He says, by the way, I want you to bring John Mark with you because he's really valuable for ministry. By the way, John Mark wrote the book of Mark. So he is and was a very valuable person. I say this to say that probably a lot of us struggle with submission, don't we? I mean, it's not easy. Again, it's not our favorite word. It's, it's, it's not our favorite thing to do. But healthy relationships begin when I'm responsible for myself and responsible to others. How many parents we got here? Okay, I figured we had quite a few, right? So when you're, when you're raising your kids up, what's the first thing that you teach them is that you have to be responsible for yourself. You need to brush your teeth. You, know, you need to get up and go to school. Do your homework. And so we're, we're teaching them to be responsible, responsible for themselves, and that's kind of like the first step in maturity. But then there comes the next step of maturity. And this, this actually comes into adulthood where we say, not only am I responsible for myself, but I am responsible to other people. And that's where the whole principle of submission begins to come into play. Because inevitably, our kids are going to say, I can't stand my boss, or, you know, this person is, who's in authority over me is, is being a jerk. And if we'll teach our kids right, we'll say, well, you know, suck it up, you know. 
Sometimes that's just the way it is, and there's that submission principle that will serve you well if you'll adhere to it. Philippians, I want you to turn in, in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And we're going to finish up in, in Philippians here. And this is also written by the Apostle Paul. And he says this, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. You know, I, I'm just going to say that, even right, that's kind of a tall order right there. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Um, I, I think about my life, and, and, and maybe, have you ever just thought about how ambitious you really are, and that maybe sometimes our ambitions have steamrolled people, have hurt relationships? He says, well, you know, I, I got to do what I got to do. Sorry, that's just the way it works. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but to, to, but to the interest of others. Now, that, that's a tough one right there, because I think, I think all of us want to take a, uh, an interest in the people around us, don't we? Uh, we want to, I hope we, we want to be good listeners. And I, I feel like, you know, if I'm talking to somebody, I say, I, I want to take an interest in you. And like, have you ever been with somebody and you can tell that they're really not listening to you? And you're going, you're just, I, you know, I, I could tell you're, you're, you're just kind of like playing along with me here. But when you really say, no, I, I am going to listen to you. But, but then, again, the apostle takes it to a whole different level and he says that the, you actually are to prefer them over yourself. That's, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Like, I, I can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit in me because I really like me. I really do. I kind of prefer myself. And a whole, my whole life is the battle to say to love you more than to love myself or to be more interested in you than to, to be more interested in myself. That, that, that's that's going to take God. And that's why, that's why the, Apollo, the Apostle Paul talks so much about the Holy Spirit, you know, in the Spirit, in Christ, having the Holy Spirit inside of us. So most of us, when we do our relationships, we do them like these three different ways. They usually fall into one of these categories. And the first one is this, independence. So I'm a very independent person. It's kind of a, almost kind of an American thing, you know? So independence says, I don't need you. And if I was not a Christ follower, this is where I would live all day long. I don't need you. Because it's just easy to do the I don't need you thing. People are messy, you know? It's, sometimes it's hard to be a friend to everybody. And so the I don't need you thing is like, well, I'm just going to do kind of life on my own terms, and, you know, um, I don't need you. But that's, that's not the, the biblical way. That's not the Christ way. And then there's this next category, and some people do life this way, which says, I can't live without you, which is really unhealthy. Because I don't, when it, the, the, the I can't live without you is like, I don't know where I end and you begin. I, I just don't know. And so I love in really unhealthy ways. And as a matter of fact, I don't even know if you can define it as love. It's just bad. It's It's terrible. But the way that we ought to live it out, and this is the healthy way right here, is the interdependence. Everybody say interdependence. Interdependence. Okay. This is where we should live. This is actually the biblical way that we can count on each other. So I'm going to hold up my end, and you hold up your end. In fact, that's one of the reasons that we're so big on life groups here. Because inside of a life group, you're going to meet people, and, and they're going to have some similar struggles that you're having. Um, you're going to find that you have things in common. And in doing that, you're going to pray for them. They're going to pray for you. Maybe their kid's going through a hard time. Your kid's going through a hard time. 
Uh, maybe there's some addiction stuff that you've been through. You can help them. That's what this relationship is right here. We can count on each other. This is, this is God's plan for our, our relationships. Jesus modeled submission. Jesus submitted to the Father, and he gave us that model to, to follow. Let's go back to Philippians. And this is where we really see it. Uh, verse, verse, verses 5 through 9. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Well, what, what mindset was that? Who, being in very nature, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You know, I don't know about you, but if I was God, I think I'd play the God card as much as I could. I just think I would. I just think it would be the easiest way to go. You know, if things weren't going my way, I'd just kind of pull that card out and go, okay, I'm, I'm God, I'm taking over. But, but he didn't do that. He says, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself becoming, by, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That's the way you do it. You do it, we do it the way that Jesus modeled it. Submission is an invitation to servant leadership. Um, I, I probably, I'm assuming most of you have been to, to the happiest place in the world, Disneyland. And, and I found out this out recently. I, I didn't know this, but the, a lot of the executives that actually work at Disneyland, um, you know, and they're wearing the suit and everything, they'll walk out of their office a couple times a day with those little trash picker-upper things, and they'll walk around picking up trash just, just to say, hey, look, at, you know, we're, not, we're not in our ivory towers above you. We're, we're, we're down here, and we, we're here to serve. We, we, we call it Leading Like Jesus, and there's actually a book. It's a great, great book called Leading Like, like Jesus. And, and so, so Jesus, one day, he was trying to explain this principle uh, to his disciples. And if you know anything about, and if you've read the story of Jesus and his disciples, you know that these guys were all very young, they were all very ambitious, and they were all jockeying for position. They all wanted to be on top. And, 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 and it was a continual struggle. As a matter of fact, as before Jesus tells us, it's because one of those episodes happens again. And the guys are going, well, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm bigger than you, and I'm greater than you, and it's kind of this power struggle that's going on. And so Jesus says, sits him down, and he goes, okay, listen to this. He says, he called them together and said, you know that the rulers, rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and that their high officials exercise authority over them. By the way, nothing's changed in 2,000 years. Everybody wants that office at the top with the beautiful view. Nobody wants to go back down to the bottom floor. Nobody, I mean, isn't it like our life goal to get to a place where I don't have to serve anymore? You know, that I can be in that office? I, I worked for it after all. I fought my way to the top. Jesus says this, not so with you. <laughs> I think when he said that, not so with you, it probably took the collective breath out of those guys. Kind of slumped down like, what? He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. I mean, by this point, they're just beside themselves. Jesus, what are you talking about? And he says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, in other words, watch me, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And you know why it was so powerful when Jesus said that? Because he lived it out every day of his life. 
They saw it. He gave and he gave and he came and he came to serve. And although he was in a high position, he was the traveling rock star rabbi. Thousands of people would come to see him and they would think, but you're not acting like we would act if we were in that position. You're just serving all day long. You're submitting to your father. Submission opens the door for divine direction and blessing. How many of you, I wonder, are stuck in a relationship that you just can't move forward and maybe it's really bad because somebody won't go first, because somebody won't apologize, because somebody thinks they're right and you just won't let go of it. In fact, maybe there's real bitterness. Maybe there's unforgiveness in that relationship. And you just, you're there. What would happen if somebody submitted? Maybe if you submitted, you surrendered. You said, all right, I, I still think I'm right. I still think that you're wrong. I still think something happened that shouldn't have happened. But in order for this relationship to go forward, all right, I'll make the first move. How does that, just for fun, how does that play out in traffic? Sometimes I think people's personality, you can see it the way they drive when they're behind the wheel. And um, have you ever, like, like, let me ask you this question. How do you respond when somebody cuts you off in traffic? How do you respond when somebody viciously cuts you off in traffic? Okay. Do you, do you submit? You go, okay, it's all right. I was coming back from Mexico, and I had a busload of students. I had like 40 or 50 students, and I was really, really tired. We had done some great missions work over in Mexico, and I, was, uh, I came up to the San Ysidro border, and it was a three-hour wait. And I'm driving my Bluebird bus and my foot is on the clutch, and my foot is just getting so tired. Three hours later, and I'm getting pretty close to that border, and I just can't wait to get across the border. My stomach's not feeling so well from all the Mexican food that I ate, from being with all these students for three days. I'm sleep-deprived, and I'm just not in a good mood. And as I'm up, maybe about 20 cars, maybe about 15 cars from passing the border. In my mirror, my rearview mirror, I see a car coming up almost, it seemed like it was a mile back. Somehow this person, this lady, found a lane somewhere, and she was just ripping right by everybody. And I got to tell you, it just, you know, to me, I, I was angry about it. I thought, it's just so unfair. We've all been waiting our turn. You know, we're here three hours later, and you think that you're just going to go by everybody? But who does she choose to go in front of? Me, right? Easy pickings, the church bus, right? Oh, I'll just go right in front. I know everybody's mad at me, but I'll go in front of the church bus because that's easy. Little did she know. So she's trying to get in front of me, and I'm not trying to, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to let her in, but she's so determined, you know, like we're like metal to metal. And then finally I backed off, and oh man, I, I was angry. I was angry. And so I was thinking, you know, I, how are we going to handle this? And, and so then she does the next thing. I, I, I'm looking at her, I'm probably kind of staring at her, and she gives me this big grin, like, ha ha ha. Oh man, that was it, okay? So now here's what you need to know. When I, when I talk about submission, I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm not saying we always have to just lay down and, you know, and, and say, oh, okay. I'm not talking, if you got that impression, okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that because there is a time that we take a stand. So let me give you some options and then we'll talk about how you might have responded and then I'll tell you how I responded. Okay. Option number A is that you do nothing. Maybe you just sit behind the wheel and you go, oh, well, she's dumb. You know, she shouldn't have done that. Option B is you get out of the bus and you walk up to her car window, you knock on the window and you say, 
Um, you know, that was really, really not, that was uncool. I can't believe that, you know, all of us have been waiting and you did that. You know, we have some words with her. Or there's option C, is what I did. So think about what would you have done, A or B, and then I'll tell you what I did. And believe me, you do not want to ever do C. Because I got all worked up, and I just, I just kind of lost it. I didn't kind of lose I lost it. And I got angrier and angrier. And so finally, I revved up that engine, and I dropped the clutch, and I slammed the back of her car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know you think less of me now. And, and I know I shouldn't have done it. And I was in my early 30s. But that's no excuse. And this lady jumps out of her car, and she is screaming. And I jumped out of my bus, and I scream right back at her. And it was a shouting match. Um, and she tried to bring an official over, and it didn't work, and whatever. But here's the thing. My students thought I, that was awesome. <laughs> right. that, story, that story was legendary. In that, but but here's, here's the problem. I totally set a horrible example. I did the wrong thing. I should have never done that. I, I, if I was to do it over again, I would go to option B. I would have got out, okay, and had a nice little chat with the lady. But I should never have taken it to that level. And so for years and years and years, I had to, every time one of my students would go, oh, you are, I'd go, no, I'm not awesome. Don't ever do it that way. Okay, so, and I, and I say that to say that I'm not asking you in this moment, as we conclude, I'm not asking you to be a doormat to the extent that you completely lay down for somebody if, you don't, if it's not the right thing to do. There's a time that you need to speak up. There's a time that there is a boundary there. And you, say, you need to say, okay. But Jesus is saying, for the sake of relationships, if it comes to you know, who's right and who's wrong and all of that, he's asking us to say, look, be the bigger person. Be the stronger person. And in some cases, sometimes in many cases, let it go. Forgive. Forget. Okay? And I, I don't know how that plays out, but, but this is the, what it says in Philippians 2.9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name of every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Why? Because he was willing to humble himself and surrender himself to the Father to the very end. And he said because he was willing to do that, he gets to the highest position. What, is, what does that look like for you today? I'd like you just, just for a moment do a little soul searching. Close your eyes if you would. Is there something in your life right now? Is there a relationship maybe? Is there some place that you're stuck? Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's one of a superior. And there's some place in your life right now where if you apply the principle of godly, Christ-like submission, it could change everything. It could open the door for the relationship to go forward. And maybe for you, it's just about simply forgiving somebody. Maybe it's, it's, actually, it's actually apologizing to somebody, even though you don't think you have to apologize. Maybe it's, it's about you going first because the other person won't, and maybe they're stuck too. What would that look like for you this morning? Who is it that you maybe need to submit to in that sense, in a godly, biblical sense? Surrender to that situation and give it to God for things to move forward. Lord, I, I, I pray for us because we're just so human in this way. Our egos get in the way. Our sense of right, wrong, and justice get in the way. 
when we get hurt, it's, it's difficult for us, Lord, to, to submit to anything or anyone. We just get a little crazy. But Father, for the sake of relationships this morning, help us to do what we need to do. Give us the courage that we need, the words that we need, the wisdom that we need to move forward. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.